What is up, everybody? This is the Fire Podcast. My name is Nimit Desai. Today, I'll be sitting down with two former captains of the real Punjabis, Harji and Lavrit, hailing all the way from San Diego, California. See if we can break down what makes DRP, DRP. All right, let's get started. So now I've been, I've been watching DRP for a long time, you know, and uh, I feel like you guys have been dancing on a team forever. Like, I feel like I've seen you, you two dancing on a team for a long, long time. How'd you guys get started with DRP? And sort of like, how, what was your dance career like before DRP? How'd you get involved? For me, DRP was the first team that I joined. Um, the first Bhangra competition I actually ever watched was Bruin 2012. Um, and I didn't even know competitive Bhangra existed before that point. Um, I went to watch one with my family and I found it intriguing um, because the coordination of music, choreo, formations, is really similar to what I did with marching band in high school. And then fortunately, when I went to San Diego for school, I had some older friends on DRP that pushed me to attend tryouts. And then once I started coming to practices and dancing, I found that I really enjoyed it. All right, LaBreeze, how about you? Okay, so I was put into Bangada classes in like middle school, maybe when I was like 12 or 13 with my sister. And I probably did that for like a month, and then I ended up hating it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so after that, I kind of stayed away from it. And then at some point in college, um, I heard about a new team starting up at Berkeley. Um, so this is when I was a junior, and I decided to just try out because I wanted to try something different. And I ended up really liking the dance, and I met a lot of great people through my time with Cal. And then after I graduated, I wanted to continue dancing, and I came to UCSD for grad school, and I joined DRP in 2011, and initially when I joined, I thought maybe I'd just dance for a couple of years, either until I got too old or too busy or it wasn't fun anymore, but like none of that stuff happened. I mean, I did get older, but yeah. <laughs> that stuff really happened. Um, and I'm just graduating from UCSD this year. And this is my last year on the team. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, so uh, both of you guys are former captains, right, of DRP? Yeah, we captained together, 2015 to 2016. Right, right, right. So uh, what what kind of pushed you guys to want to take on, like, a leadership role? You know, a lot of people want, might want to come to the team, maybe take a step back, you know, be sort of like a dancer, ride out the wave. But, you know, what forced you guys or what prompted you guys to try and take on that sort of leadership role with DRP? So for me... Um, it was really the confidence that the previous captain had in my abilities. Um, I wasn't so sure that I could handle the responsibility of being a captain. Um, and I actually thought that Love should be captain because I thought he had a lot more experience um, and was a better dancer than I was. But he, he told me he didn't want to be captain alone. And so... Since our previous captain, Bubbin, had so much confidence in me and love wanted a partner, I decided that um, I would take up that role. All right, what about you, Love? I mean, after dancing for a couple of years, like I started getting into some of the set design aspects, like doing choreo, coming out with formations and whatnot. And even before I became captain with DRP, I would help out with that stuff sometimes for routines. I wanted like, I don't know, the challenge of taking on that role, but like 
in a greater capacity. At the same time, though, I was a grad student in a team with like a bunch of undergrads, basically. So I felt like if I was captain, in a way, I might be like taking that opportunity away from like someone else who was an undergrad on the team who might just have like a one year window, which is like one of the reasons that I wanted to also do it with somebody else. Um, mm -hmm. Leading into like set design and stuff like that, DRP has like a really specific style of Hangra. Where where did you guys originate that form? You know, where, where did that technique sort of come from? Uh, and like, you know, maybe who started it or uh, is that always the way that DRP is danced? I mean, so I think in terms of DRP style, I feel like the best people to answer that question in terms of where it came from would be like the founders. So like in the early years of DRP, it was part of a West Coast scene, like in particular, like a SoCal scene that had like several big teams, like Calsa Junction or Share Foundation. Um, later there was Empire or APD. And even within California, there was like a stylistic divide between NorCal teams, which were more traditional. Like there are several live teams there, like Dirce de Juarez or Hide Punjab de. And SoCal teams, which was more, which were more modern. Like SoCal teams typically had like an in-your-face in your face style that was like predicated on like Nukta and like audience interaction, that sort of thing. Um, they had a lot of stunts in their routines, a lot of gimmicks. And DRP like emerged in that like atmosphere. Oh, okay. Got it, got it. Yeah, so do you feel like um, do you feel like DRP and this is during your you know sort of tenure on the team? Do you think that the the dancing form has changed at all, or do you feel like people really want to you know develop the the same sort of style that you guys have been dancing for years past? I mean, so DRP has definitely evolved as well. So I mean, like the circuit's definitely changed from where it was four years ago or eight years ago. The same is true with DRP. Like when I joined the team in 2011. It was definitely really different from how it is now. Like maybe back in 2011, there was definitely a point that we made to like try to have like a gimmick in each segment or something like that. Whereas now, that's not as important. Like back when I joined, it wasn't as important to have like a segment dedicated to like Fumnia or Jummer or something. Like we might have a 16 count transition for Jummer. Whereas now, there's more of a commitment to to having a balance routine. Yeah, I mean, I think that makes a lot of sense. I, I think another uh, kind of interesting thing or unique thing about DRP is that you guys are co-ed, but in terms of energy output, I mean, I don't think anybody has seen a co-ed team that has the kind of energy output that you guys have start to finish throughout your set. You know, like, what do you guys do at practice that allows you to have that sort of stamina? You know, what kind of, how do you train your dancers? What kind of mindset do you guys put in those people? Because from, from someone who has, has tried to run a co-ed team, you know, Dancer stamina is always an issue, you know, no matter where you are, no matter what team you're on. It, it, at some point, it'll always be a problem. So how do you guys really go about addressing that? We try to dance as much as possible um, at every practice. So during the school year, we have practices four times a week with each practice running about three hours. And then each practice would consist of a minimum of three full out run throughs. Oftentimes, we would do two at the beginning after we warmed up and stretched, and then we would do one at the end. And then in between, as we finished teaching or cleaning segments, we would hit three full-out segment run-throughs back to back to back with no breaks. And so essentially what we were trying to do is just push our limits and overcome any physical 
or mental barriers that we had. Um, oh, really? Three three run throughs every practice, man. I don't know how you guys how do you guys maintain dancers? Like this is like <laughs> how does anybody stay on the team? I mean, that's crazy. Three run throughs of practice every practice. Yeah. Oh my definitely, god. Yeah, definitely at the beginning there was um, people that would just not go all out every time. Um, and it really was up to us um, to make sure that our stamina was up to par. And then as we did those run-throughs, we would have to tell people, hey, pick up your legs. During the run-through, right? Pick up your legs, smile, right? Everything that you would want to see on stage, we needed to make sure that it was there during each of those run-throughs. I mean, like, I, I can see how that works now, considering, like, now that you tell me you guys do three run-throughs every practice, it makes a lot of sense as to how you guys have so much energy on stage, but I don't know, man. If I if I tried to, to sell that to my team, I don't know how that would go. It would be like an impeachment process. Something would go on. I don't know. You guys are out of control. But uh, another thing that's really unique to you guys is that you guys have a real focus on production value, which is something that, you know, you might see in the fusion circuit, but you don't really see on the Fungar circuit, except for like maybe Empire, um, you know, wh why do you guys have, uh, why, why do you guys prefer such a production heavy set? You know, like, do you feel like you ever get worried about someone labeling you as non-traditional and that might hurt, and that might be hurting you at, at different comps or things like that? Or, you know, what, what do you think production gives you as an advantage over other teams? Simply put, I think production is entertaining. Um, we know that people are paying to watch us dance and we want them to be entertained. Um, Production allows us to draw the audience into our world and our vision. Um, and then from a judging perspective, it allows us to set ourselves apart and make our whole routine more memorable. Um, personally, as for the you're not traditional critiques, I understand them and I think they're valid, but I think the diversity in our approaches to Pungra is what keeps the circuit interesting like i really enjoy watching spd and nj but i also enjoy watching kpg and pk right our team is interested in innovation we're interested in pushing the envelope to create that holistic experience every time we step on stage um production aids us in that mission right and i mean uh, and one thing i have to ask you guys about is like uh, how much time do you guys spend doing production as opposed to, in addition, I'm assuming, to practice? Because, you know, I remember a couple years ago, you guys built a tractor and, and then <laughs> put that on stage, and then you had somebody doing jumps on it at the end. I mean, that, that that's just, <laughs> like, that had to be a solid tractor. You know, that couldn't have just been made out of, like, paper or something. So, you know, how much time do you guys spend, you know, leading up to a big competition, like, let's say, Bruin, uh, on production? You know, is that something that, that it takes away a lot of your practice time, or do you guys do that in addition to practice? Um, yeah, so it's usually in addition to practice. So um, in my first three years on the team, um, we did spend a lot of time building these large structures. But these past two years, we've kind of moved towards um, building smaller props that have similar impact, like the ribbons or the smoke dolls. Um, and we found that that allows us to make sure we have enough time to practice and relax, not only during the year as we're preparing for a competition, but also during the competition weekend. Okay. 
what what is your process to coming up with these gimmick ideas? Because I think out of you know the last five years or so, you know when you think about big time gimmicks, you think about DRP. So you know like the 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 smoke doll, the the tractor, the you know like the list goes on and on and on and on. You know how do you guys come up with all these gimmicks and like do you guys have a process that you guys do this with or is it just like you're walking down the street something inspires you and you're like oh man we should do that that'd be crazy. So I think it kind of just depends and I'll let Harji add on to this later. So typically, I mean, what we started doing in the past two years is, is like in terms of like song selection, in terms of gimmick ideas and whatnot. Before competitions, we're, we'll create like a Google Doc and we'll let anyone from the team like add song ideas or add gimmick ideas that they have. Like in terms of certain specific things, like for the tractor, like we had a song idea in mind and the lyrics like played off of that. Like there's a tractor and the lyrics of the song. Um, the smoke dolls actually came from like a religious video that someone posted in our Facebook group. Um, yeah. Yeah, which is really yeah. random, but like that's where we got the idea from. Um, like occasionally we'll get ideas for stunts through like hip hop routine videos, then that we like try to adapt to Bhangra a little bit. So stuff like that. I mean, and also like uh, uh, I know you guys did like the ribbon gimmick or I guess it's, it was more of a segment than it was a gimmick, you know, how, how often do you guys pull from other dance forms to try and find, you know, like something that's a little bit different? You know, do you guys spend a lot of time watching videos outside of our circuit? Yeah, I, I spend a good amount of time watching videos outside of our circuit, and I think it comes from all sorts of performing arts, um, not only other dance circuits, but also magic, um, music, like Color Guard and Marching Band and theater, um, I'd say I spend about 25% of my time watching other performances, and then about 75 watching Bhangra videos. Do you guys feel like, because uh, I know I feel this way, where I watch a Bhangra video and I say, oh man, maybe they did something cool, but you know, now we can't really do that, because yeah. like, <laughs> they, they just did, right? So yeah. you know, it, it's difficult for me to sit there and be like, oh yeah, we should totally use that when they when they just did it. So. Uh, right. I don't know. I guess I guess trying to pull from live teams, pulling from other circuits, you know, that, that definitely helps. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, moving on a little bit. Um, you know, I think uh, another thing that DRP, you know, to kind of round out the end of set design, um, another thing you guys are known for is formation, right? You guys are a very formation heavy team. You guys have a lot of, you know, if you watch your set, you guys have a lot of layering. You guys have a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of movement around stage and a lot of form formation concepts, right? Like like real mechanisms that, that you can really see working. Um, what do, I know uh, somebody posted on BTF of this like formation app or like you know or, or and there's a lot of different ways that a lot of people teach formations. How do you guys go about it? How do you guys go about making them? Um yeah so yeah we definitely use that formation app. So it was it was actually created by one of our former captains Rohan, um, and we're definitely lucky to have it. It definitely helps us like visualize formations and like what will work in terms of in terms of like what I what I do personally um, like one of the things that I like to aim for is I like to try to come up with what I call like 16 count formations so like what I mean by that is it's like it's like a formation that'll take 16 counts to complete like sometimes it'll be like a four count movement followed by like another four count movement that's similar overall it takes 16 counts which is different from what I see a lot of teams doing, which is typically like a four count movement or like an eight count movement where they'll like shift from one shape to another shape. And I feel like a lot of the times 
teams will have like movement simply for the sake of having movement. Um, like in terms of like thinking of formations, I don't know, a lot of times I'll just listen to like a song or a segment that we're working on and I don't know, I'll just like listen to it again and again for like an hour or two hours and maybe something will come to me. Um, sometimes I'll just, sometimes I'll just be in class and like drawing shapes like X's and O's and then maybe something will pop out, but it just, it just takes, it just takes time. No, actually that happened to me. I was, uh, I was sitting in class, I was drawing out formations for one of our sets and the guy sitting next to me is looking at my paper. And he's like, dude, this yeah. is this has nothing to do with the lecture. Like, what are you writing on this piece of paper? He's just seeing like a bunch of X's and O's and just like a bunch of arrows and stuff. It was, it was hilarious. Yeah, but I, I definitely feel that. You know, you kind of just whenever it comes to you, it comes to you. But um, hmm. yeah, so I guess moving on from uh, from sort of the set design aspect, um, you know, you guys are a really long lasting collegiate team. Like you guys have been around for a really long time, and uh, I think that's something that a lot of collegiate teams struggle with, considering there's so much dancer turnover. And so, you know, how do you deal with dancer turnover? How do you train your younger dancers? You know, do you guys have like sort of a, a system? I know CMU has a system where they have like a B team and then, you know, you kind of graduate to the A team or something like that. Do you guys have a system like that? How do you guys deal with that sort of, you know, dancer inconsistency? So we tried to implement something similar to that, but I would say it's like more informal than having like an A team and a B team. Like in my earlier years with the team, that dancer turnover was a much bigger issue because I would say most of the dancers that we had when they joined would stick with the team for two years. Um, gradually, the number of the dancers that we had that stuck with it for four years increased. And I think now that when we have new members who join, they see the senior members on the team able to successfully manage like their schoolwork, with the dance, with their social lives, and that makes them more inclined to want to do the same. So in the last... In the last couple years in particular, we've tried to field a larger team. Like last year, we had maybe like 30 active members on the team. And then this year, again, it's maybe like 25 active members or so. And like the idea was, while the new members might not get the chance to dance immediately or like compete immediately, they would hopefully get that chance if they stuck with it in the following years. And then one of the things that we've been able to do is like both last year and this year, we had enough either like new members, first year dancers or second year dancers to send those guys, the first and second years to a competition. So like this past year, we sent our newer members to Vegas. And last year, we sent them to West Coast Bangra. Yeah, so in, in, in a sense, um, you know, I think one thing that a lot of people have uh, an issue with when they try and, and have this sort of like, you know, formal or informal A team and B team concept um, is that sometimes the people on the on the B team might be a little bit less inclined considering they don't have as many performance opportunities um, as you know some of the other members might have. So how do you sort of deal with that, uh, maybe a little bit of that frustration? How do you kind of create a positive team environment um, around these people so that you know if they only perform once throughout the whole year, it's still a very meaningful performance? Um, I think a lot of it has to do with the way we run practices. So every practice is mandatory for every member. And at those practices, we ensure that we have a plan for both the people on the roster and the people off the roster, um, right? So sometimes we would have members that had enough experience um, to teach others, but weren't experienced enough to be on the competitive team, teach those newer members um, form, 
or choreo, whatever it was, right? Um, and that gave them something to work on every time they came to practice. They felt that it mattered that they were there. Um, it mattered that they were improving. Um, and if they improved, they had a chance to make the next roster. Uh, we made it very clear that rosters weren't set competition to competition. And if a person expected to make a roster but wasn't going to make it, we made it clear to them through an individual conversation, private conversation, why they didn't make the roster. And so then they had something to work on, right? If I work on this thing, then I can make the next roster. I can compete next time. Um, and that's what I think kept them coming back. Um, a lot of it also had to do with um, the vibe that we try to have in terms of just our team as a whole. Try to include people in every activity that we do. Right? So if a senior member is putting together choreo, they might ask a younger member to come along and help them with that or formation or if we're strategizing how we're going to format the layout of the set, they might help with that. Um, I think for a number of younger members, the song suggestions was a great way to get involved. Um, even though they didn't have enough bunger experience to contribute to a great extent, they, they knew what songs they liked listening to, uh, so they could help, help in that manner. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I think uh, I, I think that's a really important point because I, I you know a lot of people when they see what it means to be a captain they see it from a, a set design perspective they see it from a technical perspective but there's also a really huge social aspect and a really big responsibility you know that, that you're using people's times properly you know because it, yeah. it, it's a really big commitment on their part so uh, that's important that you bring up a point like that uh, also love I gotta call you out um, are you still wearing your your uh, what's it called your Bruin like. Uh, <laughs> Uh, with the wrist yeah, yeah. Hey, <laughs> got a cling to it. Got him. <laughs> got him. Oh man, yeah. I I didn't take mine off for like a month, but then after that, I was like, this thing has to go. I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gotta live in the past. Uh, yeah, yeah. Gotta live in the past. No, definitely, <laughs> definitely. I, I I agree with that. Um. All right. So I, I guess the you know we've been talking for a while. Um. But you know to kind of close it out. Uh. You know e even if you guys are sort of graduating or you know moving on from drp uh, in the near future um you know where do you think the drp is trying to go from here you know you guys have been very successful at bruin um is, is there another place where you guys are trying to find success is there you know another sort of goal that you feel like uh you, your team is really pushing for or is um the mindset still you know let's go to bruin let's win let's place because that's what you guys have been good at for the last three years so like you said we're not active members anymore uh, right so We'll be around to offer guidance, but really I think it's up to the team and their current captains to set their own goals. Um, personally, I'd love to see DRP continue to innovate and bring new ideas to stage. I think there's always room for growth and improvement. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. All right, uh, I guess uh, last couple things. Um, you know, were there any other teams this year that you really enjoyed watching? Um, or and you know any other any other performances that you that you think may not get enough love and uh, on the flip side any performances that you feel like may have been a little overrated if you guys are willing to talk a little shit I mean up to you but. Uh... <laughs>
So I think in terms of like what was impressive, like nothing. Um, in terms of teams who are overrated, I'd have to say like KPGD at Bruin right off the bat. Black guy all year. I don't know. Um, in terms of teams who are underrated, I think like DRP is probably at the top of my list. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I, mean, I, I think that's a very uh, that seems to be a biased list. I don't know. It seems a little bit weird that you would, you would pick those teams out specifically. But it's all right. It's all right. I, I get it. I get it. I've, I've received the message. Yeah, I mean, now I'm glad that you've started this Buckeye DRP beef. Uh, hey, last, let's yeah, go. It'll last all through eternity from now on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. what about you, Archie? Um, I actually, I'll, I'll try to be a little bit, a little bit more honest. Um, I really liked Buckeye's routine at Berg this year. Um, the first time I watched it, I was taken aback. I, I like watched it again and again and again because of how I thought it was really innovative and I want to create a set similar to that sometime in the future. Um, I really liked it. Um, yeah, I mean, love it. You, you, like, you didn't have to say me, you know that, right? Like you, you didn't have to say, right? you, you, you could have just said any other team. Like I, 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 I wasn't, I wasn't like asking, I mean, I was sort of asking for it, but you know, like I, I, I didn't do it explicitly. Right. No, 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 but thank you. I appreciate that. I mean, no, you're good. Yeah, I was just like really happy because he gave his final thesis defense yesterday, okay, so he's like officially earned his PhD. So he's just like super on his high horse. And... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dang. And any and anything that you didn't like in the circuit, anything that you feel like needs to go, uh, you know, either whether it be styles or you know types of types of sets, anything like that. Oh man, I like the diversity. I think it, that's what makes it interesting. I think it'd just be great if everyone executed their vision better, right? So if like you have some great ideas, put in the time to make sure you have the stamina, you have the nakra to execute it well, right? Because I feel like a lot of ideas go to waste because teams don't spend the time doing that. Um, and it's kind of sad to see because like you said earlier, you, know, you see a really cool idea and you just can't put it on stage again, right? Like, I think, I think Mob Chicago at Bruin has some great ideas. I like, I, I found it really entertaining, but they just weren't clean, right? Um, yeah, just, you know, spend some time, make it happen. That's, that's what I want to see. All right, yo, thank you guys so much for a good interview. Uh, wish you guys all the best. Hopefully I see you guys at, at a competition soon. Uh, yeah, and uh, if I'm competing against you guys, I hope you guys lose. So, yeah, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. Open, my friend. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'll see you guys around. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of the Bunger Podcast. Do you have any ideas about what we should talk about? If so, email us at bungerteamspodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at the Bunger Podcast. If you like this podcast, subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts so that you get the podcast automatically downloaded as soon as it hits the feed. And if you really want to help out the podcast, Please leave a review on iTunes and let us know how we're doing. Shout out to Mideast Muslim Beast 14 for leaving us a review. Thanks so much and hope to see you next time.